other than being here, I'd rather be sailing. Right? <laughs> because right now, what I'm hoping to do is to remind us all of what it is that we need to give to ourselves so that we're in that headspace of what it's like to be fulfilling that thing that we love to do. Sailing happens to be one of my things. I love being out on the water and it's just so remarkably powerful and calming and beautiful. So it's something that we have to think about. How often do we give to ourselves? Giving is a spiritual practice, and it's only half of a spiritual practice, because the other half is what? Receiving. Receiving, exactly. And no matter what we give, there's something we're getting back. Whether it's something we like or not determines, if we're conscious enough, what we're going to give. Like, for example, for example, when we give ourselves something loving, usually we feel our heart opening. When we give somebody, for me, when I give somebody space to get onto the highway, I feel generous. Sometimes people don't like to give other people space on the highway, right? They <laughs> cut them off, they won't let them in. I don't know what they feel. Maybe they feel empowered, I don't know. But it's really about the consciousness of giving and the awareness that whatever we give, we actually receive back. In Luke 6:38, it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use to give, it will be measured to you. I learned when I came here that I cannot outgive God. It became so clear to me, and it also made me look at all the different ways that I was giving. And giving and receiving are the what the, demonstrates the flow of life and how the flow of life works. Ernest Holmes says, he's the founder of Science of Mind, he says, love is the self-givingness of spirit into creation. See, we have a giving nature. It's with, woven within us. It's part of who we came here to be. It's part of what we are. So we are already expressions of God. We come here, right, to be to find out how we can be better expressions of God. As Gabe says, the best expression of Gabe that he could be. That's what our job is. You know, God gave us the gift of life, right? And our gift back to God is how we use this life, how we show up in this life, how we give to ourselves and give to the world. This is our becoming. Giving is an action that aligns us with our spiritual truth. Now, I'm not perfect, I try to be generous, but there are times that I get afraid and I think that there's not enough. So I stop that flow and I block the giving, which means I block the receiving because I'm afraid. I'm afraid there won't be enough. But think about it. If you think, let's take the driving example. The highway doesn't really belong to anybody or it belongs to all of us, however you want to think about it. So taking that into consideration, let people merge. Just let them in. And if they don't let you in, rather than getting upset, give yourself the gift of compassion. I always think that somebody's rushing because somebody's in the hospital and they have to get to the hospital. That's what I always say. Or sometimes they're just not being conscious. I don't know about you. I'm going to say this out loud, but sometimes I'm not conscious of driving when I'm driving. Yeah. And it takes someone cutting me off to remind me, my 
I'm supposed to be right here, right now, and be awake in that moment. So giving feel, feels right because it's who we are. The happiest people I know are givers, and they're not necessarily the wealthiest people. They certainly are the most prosperous people. And you know that you're with one of those people when you're having a conversation with them and you feel seen and you feel heard. That's a wealthy person. That's a person who's in their consciousness and showing up. I want to be that person. And it's easy to give in to our givingness. Think about when you're holding a baby. Just take a moment, whether it's a one-day-old, a one-week-old, a one-month-old, a six-month-old. After that, they get too much of a personality, so it might not work as, <laughs> might not work as the way my point is here. But when you're holding a baby, think about love. Usually you don't have to think about it, right? We're just feeling it. We're just feeling love. In that moment, who's giving and who's receiving? It's seamless, right? We're both giving and we're both receiving. And this is just a being that just knows how to be, right? They don't know anything else, but yet they're in that cycle with you, giving and receiving. That's how easy giving can be. When we come from that place of love, we come from that place of the truth of who we are. So I got several homework assignments today. Um, the first homework is to find any simple act to get you out of your fear and get you back into the flow of divine givingness. And allow this to be a practice. Now, let's look at today in the world. The last few years, we've been in a place of a lot of a tough time where it's us versus them. Us versus them. Now, how unity is that? Not really, right? We just sang a beautiful song about the oneness of who we are. So it's time we start becoming more of a we. It's time we look at both the oppressors and the oppressed. Because if I'm seeing somebody that's oppressed and I'm feeling bad, that means somewhere in me, I am also oppressed. If I'm looking at an oppressor and I want to make them wrong, which is what I do, because I don't think that's okay, somewhere in me, I am the oppressor. Now, usually, I'm the oppressor of myself somewhere. I'm not speaking up. I'm not doing something. But when I own that, I can have compassion for everybody and find love and forgiveness. And it's in that healing of myself that the world can heal. Because why? Because we're all one, right? And as any one of us heals, we help heal the world. So that's how we're giving. That's how we're giving to ourselves and that's how we're giving to others. And then it comes back to us. It's an amazing cycle that just keeps happening over and over again. So the more we get conscious of what it is that we're giving, the better off that we're gonna be. I came from a church where there was no room for me to have a voice. There was no room for me to ask questions. So I internalized that as not being enough. And quite frankly, that's my thing. That's what I do. I'm not enough for anything. That's my, my role. But that's my story, I should say. But I'm healing from that. 
And I went out and I found a church where I could be heard, where I could ask questions and get answers. There's a TED Talk about the science of being wrong, the gift of being wrong. And she asks the audience, how does it feel to be wrong? And everyone's like, oh, it's embarrassing, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, it doesn't feel good. And she says, no, 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 no. That's what it feels like when you realize you're wrong. But when you're wrong and you haven't realized it yet, it feels pretty good. <laughs> right? But the, the point of that is that we're all, at some point in our lives we're wrong. And to accept that and to embrace that and to know, to give ourselves some compassion around that. And therefore we can give other people compassion when we see what they're doing is wrong. So we're learning and we're growing. And we're deepening the truth of God that's presence and power that is living and active and available in our lives right now. And we're discovering more about truth and about who we are. So if I heal this within me, here first, then I could come out there and heal more, right? As I do the work within me, I'm giving to myself. And then I could give to the world. And then it comes back to me. All that I give, I give to myself. We begin here, and it becomes a loving presence of acceptance and inclusion. Inclusion. Be unapologetically inclusive. Doesn't that feel good just to say that? To be inclusive? We're all one. Whatever we see out there is somewhere in here. So embrace it. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light shine before men, they, that they may see your good works and give glory to your God who is in heaven. And this is for not just us, or not where we just feel good, but also where we feel oppressed. Because that's when the healing happens, when the oppressed speak up, right? When the oppressed speak out. That's when the healing happens. That's when change takes place. Now that same scripture in the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament says, all that brings meaning to this world is you. For you are all there is. Your truth is your light. It is your truth that shall shine and be known, that all may see your truth within you and know that is within them too. So when we look at the oppressors and we think that they're bad and they're wrong, we're also calling ourselves bad and wrong because of those places that were the oppressor. So to all that are not a part of the dominant culture, I stand with you. I'm not going to list them all because I don't want to leave anybody out. But there are so many that feel oppressed, and I want to make an effort to stand with them. So this speaks to the homework that I spoke about earlier. As we heal ourselves, our own oppression, we can help heal the world. So during these tough years, another thing that's really powerful to do, in tough times, in times of struggle and suffering, when it's hard to be grateful, that's the best time to be grateful. 
find something to be grateful for. Raise the vibration. Raise your vibration. It may be tough, but it's worth it to find something to be grateful for. It's necessary. It's most useful. And it's most beneficial when we can find that gratitude in our heart, even though there's struggle going on in our life. As we lift our, lives, our eyes above the condition and return our awareness to the truth of God's power and presence, as we become grateful, something in our consciousness shifts. We become the vessel of God, of God's light and power and possibility. And isn't that what it feels like we need right now? God's power, God's light, God's possibility. God is here and available to transform our lives now. Because he's in he. Because God is within each and every one of us. Yes. So, homework number two. Be grateful, even in tough times, especially in tough times. Because you give that gratitude out and it comes back. Deepak Chopra, in his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, he talks about the law of giving and says, whatever you want, that is what you give. It's the easiest way to help others get what they want, is to give. Giving and receiving are the same thing. We have to step into the flow of it, and as we give, so we shall receive. We get to choose, right? We get to choose what it is that we want to give. If we want to give a sour face, guess what? That's probably what we're going to get back. If we want to give frustration and anger, guess what? That's what we're probably going to get back. If we want to give generosity and compassion, that's what we're going to get back. So where attention goes, energy flows. That which you pay attention to expands our consciousness. It's a consciousness thing because consciousness is cause. We'll be transformed during these one day at a time experiences, one moment at a time experiences. Even now in this time of life when it looks like things are so bad, we can still step into the divine flow. Hildegard of Bingham, she's a German mystic of the Middle Ages, said, we are to live on the green and growing edges of our becoming. Now, I thought Mary Morrissey said that because <laughs> she said it in our prosperity class that I taught for so many times. I thought it was either her or her son who made it up. Little did I know it's been around for many years. But anyway, how can you tell you're on the green edges of growing? Well, sorry to say, but it's when you feel really uncomfortable. It's when you're struggling. It's when it hurts. Where it's harder to see the power and presence of God. That's when you're on the green edges. Welcome. And that's the invitation. Not only are we growing, but our world and our nation is growing. And it happens as each one of us take a step closer and closer to the green edges of the... Actually, in that class, they also said, he also said... Um, if I'm not on the edge, I'm taking up too much space. I really like that, you know? If I'm not standing on the edge, I'm taking up too much space. So as, one, as any of us change, we all change. Why is that? How many lives are there? One. one life. There's only one life in spirit. So as one of us gets better, the oneness of all of us gets better. As we step into our, our becoming, the whole consciousness is raised just a little bit. We are all part of the evolution of spirit. 
And it takes time and it takes practice and it takes being still and listening to the still small voice every day again and again. It's, you guys, this is the graduate course of spirituality. That's what you're here for, it's a graduate course. Anybody hear the quote by Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world? Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know this until I did the research for this talk, that it goes beyond. It's a much bigger quote. David knows. He's back there saying. And I'm going to read the whole quote because it's powerful. We but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found in the world of our body. If we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. As a man changes his own nature, so does the attitudes of the world change towards him. This is the divine mystery supreme. A wonderful thing it is and the source of our happiness. We need not wait to see what others do. We need not wait to see what others do. So rather than reacting, let's be the change to make that happen, to make that ripple out. So I want to talk about a couple of stories demonstrating the change. When people lift their thoughts beyond their suffering and what could happen. There's a man named Dashra Manji. He was born in rural India in the lowest rung of the caste system. In India they have a caste system. And which means that he did not have a lot of choices in his life. He lived a life of manual labor. He was a coal miner. And as a young man he had a wife and they lived on this mountain. And she had a terrible fall one day. And so they had to get her to a doctor, medical treatments. But the closest medical treatment was 34 miles away around the mountain. Well, she ended up dying. So in his grief, this 20-year-old man decided he was going to build a tunnel through the mountain. And he started. And it took him 20 years with a chisel and a hammer. And he built this tunnel through the mountain. And at first, the, the, the uh, village people, they would make fun of him and they would taunt him. And then eventually, they started bringing him food and they started bringing him tools. They ended up creating a commemorative stamp in his honor, a man who was on the lowest rung of the caste system. Because he took his plane, he took his pain to that higher honor, to that higher place. Because he, did, he just wanted to help anybody he could. There's people, and it ended up being a nine mile road. It went from a 34 mile trip around the mountain to a nine mile trip through the mountain. Now this next gentleman, some of you guys may know, may have heard of him. His name is Desmond Doss. No? Oh. He, they actually made a movie about him. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. My husband has watched it more than once. But it's a World War II, um, not veteran, serviceman who was a pacifist in combat. He would not pick up and kill anybody because of his religious beliefs. So he was a private first class who was a medic. And he won a con con Congressional Medal of Honor despite refusing to bear arms in World War II. He was, dra he was drafted and ostracized by fellow soldiers for his pacifist stance but went on to earn the respect and adoration for his bravery because in his selflessness, he saved 75 men at the Battle of Okinawa. He kept going out 
and grabbing men and bringing them back. And he had played dead more than once to not get shot. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Now, I am not that heroic. But my story, I don't know if I could do it. Eighteen years ago, today, Michael died, and that was a turning point that brought me right here. I gave in that relationship, and then after he died, he gave to me, and I kept my eyes opened for two years after he died, I was broken. And all I did was work to survive, but I just did a healing work on myself to get through this time of grief. And it was amazing the things that happened and the things that I saw and the things that, because I stayed open, I received. The first one was before he died, I, I prayed for help because he was really sick. And this woman, Jane, showed up when I went for my walk one day. And she carried me through this time and she helped me every day to do what needed to get done to help him in the hospital, outside the hospital. So I asked and it was given. Then after he died and the service happened and I went and I lived with some friends. They opened up their home for me and I got to live with them and I was gardening for them because they went away. And I got to process the death through cutting the deadheads of their black-eyed Susans and every day being grateful for the life and the death, not only of the flowers, but of Michael, and giving towards that, giving in that place of beauty. Then over time, other things started happening. Before I actually left the house, I had to clean out this 3,000 square foot home, and I was just like, I, Jane was there every day, and I had decided I was not gonna clean out the bathroom. I said, you know what? His kids could clean out the bathroom, his bathroom. I didn't want to do it. Well, one day Jane comes and says, we got to go clean the bathroom. I'm like, no, I'm not cleaning the bathroom. Somebody else is going to clean. No, we have to clean out the bathroom. I'm like, Jane, I don't want to clean out the bathroom. She says, come on. They told me we have to clean out the bathroom. I said, who told you? <laughs> who? She said, his guides and angels told me. Now I'm like, okay, this lady's like whacked. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Now... It was amazing some of the things that this woman had got, helped me through. But anyway, so we go upstairs and she pulls out his toiletry bag and she wants to open it. I'm like, Jane, don't even, she's like, open it up. Okay, open it up. And I see something fall and I go to look and it was his diamond pin that he had gotten that he thought he lost. But I ended up getting his diamond from his diamond pin, which... I would have left there for his kids to get, and who knows, they might have even thrown it out, you know, not knowing that it was there. Another thing that happened probably almost two years afterwards, I had bought a home, and um, I had to have the gas men come to check the furnace. I guess it was a cleaning or whatever, but I was pulling the hedge out in the front, and I was fighting with it. I'm fighting with the hedge, and it's not easy to pull out. And so he says, would you like some help with that? I'm like, really? Like, you're going to help? He's like, sure. He digs it out. It's like a piece of cake for this guy. I'm like, thank you so much. What is your name? 
He says, my name is Michael. I was just like, wow, okay, all right. Then another time I went to um, celebrate his birthday at a restaurant and I have, um, when I celebrate Michael, I always have Grey Goose martinis because that's what he used to drink. So I'm sitting at the bar having my Grey Goose martini and this guy is making me laugh. The bartender is really making me laugh. And by the way, what's your name? Michael. I'm like, wow, okay. And the last um, Michael story I'll tell you is uh, it was Valentine's Day. And I went to Nyack, because that's where Michael and I used to go, and I wanted to buy myself something. And I saw these earrings that I really liked, but they were a hundred bucks. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should spend a hundred bucks, you know, da, da, da. and then I'm like, well, Michael would just say, get them, you know, just get them. So I went back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I'm like, I'm just gonna get them. So I bring them up to the um, checkout, and the lady says, oh, I'm so glad you got these. They're, they were made by Michael Bernstein. <laughs> I was like, like, Michael's last name was Bronstein. Wow. And I was just like, oh my God. So my point in these stories is to allow ourselves, to allow yourself to be open to what is out there for us to receive. And the more that we do that, you know, when, when I give, somebody's receiving. When I receive... Somebody's just given to me. If I don't take that, if I don't take what they've given me, I've just blocked their satisfaction of giving. I've just blocked the flow in the world. So I suggest allowing it to happen, being open to all the gifts that are out there, and being open to looking at your own thoughts around your giving, because all that you give, you give to yourself. So it's not about our circumstances, it's about our consciousness. We are all a part of something great and something beautiful. There's a great unfolding of life that you are contributing to. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are but tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Your history, your pain, what we need to fix in the world are but tiny matters compared to what lies within us. All that may be asked of you is to heal your limiting beliefs. But that matters. That matters. You don't have to go build a tunnel through a mountain. You don't have to save 75 people. You just have to do what's yours to do. And in that giving to yourself, that giving to, as Reyes was talking about earlier, to take care of you first is what heals the world. So the next homework assignment is to see the oneness in the world, to see how every little thing that you do has a ripple effect to the world. Be one with it and be the change that you want to see in the world because what you do when you give that, you're giving it to yourself. We were made for this time that looks like it's so hard We've evolved enough to be here now and to make the change and to do the healing work that has to happen. So what is yours to do? Because whatever it is, however you make a difference, all that you do and all that you give, you give to yourself. So I want to finish with this great book that I am just finished reading. It was amazing. It was called Dying to Be Me. And it's a true story about a woman who had cancer for four years. And she, her, her organs had shut down, she was skin and bones, and after four years, she finally succumbed to the disease. She was petrified to die, but she was like, at this point, I just gotta go. 
And when she died, she could see her mother crying and her husband crying. And she's like, don't cry, it's okay. I feel great, it's wonderful. At that point, she didn't really know that she was dead yet. And she saw her brother flying in from another state, and, or another country actually, and she saw the doctor talking. And all of a sudden, she feels this expansion and all she could feel is unconditional love. And she's like, wow, this is amazing. I feel so huge and all it is is love. And she's looking down at her body and she's saying, how did all of this fit in there? You know, how did all of who I am fit in that body? Anyway, she's up there hanging out, trying to tell people not to cry. And, and all of a sudden she sees her father and her best friend who are both people who passed away several years earlier. And they said to her, look it, it's not your time to go. If you want to stay here, you can. But once we get beyond this point, you're here. You can't go back. Right now, you could choose to go back into your body. And she looked at her body, and she was like, whoa, do I really want to do that? And, and they, they said, well, now that you know that all we're supposed to do and be is unconditional love, when you go back, you'll experience that, and your body will heal very quickly. In that moment, she knew that was her life purpose, was to come back, get back in her body, and tell people, teach people, that our job is to love ourselves unconditionally, and that's it. So she comes back, and she gets in her body, and her body heals like miraculously. She becomes a medical miracle. Doctors want her to talk to her all over the world and everything. And one day she realized at her, like her second speaking um, opportunity in Dubai, that she wasn't sharing the whole story because she was afraid. And she realized, that's how I got here. I have to share the whole story. And she did. And she worked with, uh, she had amazing thing happen to her. She was in um, Dubai and it was her birthday and she went to get on the computer that morning thinking that she was gonna have all these birthday celebration things. And it was Wayne Dyer emailed her and said, I want to sponsor you. I want you to write a book. And she was just like, wow. And the point of that is, as she opened up and allowed herself to be who she came here to be, life just started to pour in. So another point of hers is to allow. We are here to allow and not to keep pushing and pursuing. Because as we pursue and want, we push away from ourselves. So to allow and to receive so really, it, I, I want to read the book again. It's such a great book. Dying to be me, and I can't remember the author's name. But there's Anita Morjani. Yeah. Who? Anita Morjani. Anita Morjani. Okay. That's it. Get the book. Anyway, so I'm just going to summarize our homework. <laughs> Do your healing work. Giving back so that you can get back in the flow. Feel grateful all the time, especially when it's difficult. See life and live life as oneness. Be the change you want to see in the world and love yourself unconditionally because as you do, you will help heal the world and as you do, you will love others unconditionally and they will love you. So thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. I behold the Christ in you. I'm your sister, companion in prayer, possibility, and power. And until I see you again, know that you are blessed and a blessing.